0: Hello and welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast all about board games, board games, and the people who love board games. My name is Matt Lees, and I'm joined by Tom Brewster. Hi, Matt. I'm Tom Brewster, and I'm here with you on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Absolutely. And it's a special time of year for us, because once or twice a year, we like to tell people that, hey, if you really like the work we do, you can support us Mm. to make this stuff and more. In the podcast world, we did some bonus podcasts this year about going to different conventions, talking about the cultures of the city and cultures of the conventions. It all comes back to play, I yeah. think. We've really? got one
1: coming out very soon that's about Vegas, where I think that Fallout New Vegas is real for a bit.
0: Yeah. Remember that? I do. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's a good time, which means if you're a fan of podcasts and you'd like a little bit of extra, extra, you can go and check that out. Mm. If you just want to support the website at large, you can go and do that right now at shutupandsitdown.com or Patreon forward slash shutupandsitdown, I think. I can't remember. No. It's something like that. What Web is addresses.
1: Is? I think it's Patreon. It's shutupandsitdown.com slash donate Yep Patreon.com slash shutupandsitdown That's pretty much what I said That's pretty much it
0: Fantastic Yeah And now without further ado Let's do the podcast The podcast for you
1: So on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of games that we played at PAX Unplugged. Mm. We played so much stuff when oh, we were gosh. Over in Americas. We played lots at the convention. We played lots after the conventions. Some of it's going to get made into videos. Some of it's going to get talked about now on this here podcast.
0: We were stuffed right up to the gills with dice, <laughs> meeples, and fun. My gills were packed. But while the excitement is still fresh in our minds, we're going to be going through these games. In speed round detail And then probably in the new year Some of these games we'll come back to and talk about In more detail on the podcast Or we'll get full fledged videos What games are we going to talk about Matt? You don't know, I've got the list I mean I could name a lot of them But that's just because there's loads (laughs) We're going to talk about Arcs, Cover Your
1: Assets Skull King, Mycelium, Mycelia And Strike On this podcast, that's so many games
0: Mm. Let's let's just get going Let's jump in Woohoo! All right, I can't wait to jump ahead to Skull King, but that's because I love hanging around in bushes. What? Ha, 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 ha. I don't get. I do get. You that, get it joke. now. Skulking in the shadows. Skull king. But it's not. It's a, it's a pirate thing. Skull king. king. The King of Skulls. But we're not going to talk about that. I want you to tell me about Arcs because you are a big old fanboy of the mm. people who make these games. I am. I think that's safe to say that.
1: Yeah, although I've been getting their name wrong this whole time. I kept calling them Leader
0: Games, nope. like a Leader Hosen, nope. but they're Leader Games. Yeah, well, we've been told they're called Leader Games mm. on the basis of the fact that Patrick Leder apparently has told people that's how his name is said. Yes. But I think if he wants to, he wants to put an A in it. He's an A in it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's all very well. Yeah, who's he to say? I mean, it's it's kind of tough, right? Because you can be like, well, it's my name. So mm. I will call him Patrick Lader. No, yeah. leader. No, that, <laughs> no. I will call him Patrick Lader. <laughs> I was gonna say that's quite a power but, move. But that's like a brand name. It's different. Mm. If if Coca-Cola came up to you and said, actually, no, it's Coca-Cola, would you be like, Okay, I'm gonna say it like that from now on. Yes. I'd respect really?
1: I'd respect Coca-Cola's wishes.
0: You respect the badge. I'm a I'm a yeah
1: Fair. I'm a Coca-Cola company respecter.
0: All right, well listen, um that's me done Let's That's carry on done.
1: Okay so I got to play Arcs. Uh, I've been holding off on playing Arcs for quite a long time I've been holding off reading or listening to anything about this game Because I wanted it to be a surprise But there was a chance to play the finished version mm. of the basic game packs unplugged it's important to mention that this is actually kind of a small slice of arcs a small sampling even though it's the finished version of the game this is the most basic version of arcs you can play Mm. because this game comes as a base game you can play just a single session of like you would play a single session of any board game it comes with a three act sort of campaign version of the game where you play an arc of the game where (laughs) you do Wait, it's a little gag. He said the name. He said the name of the game in the game. Oh. Uh, you play sort of three escalating scenarios where you sort of have persistent powers and stuff over the course of the three. And then you have all of this strange campaign-y legacy stuff that I don't quite have the shape of yet. Of course. But apparently there's tons of it. Mm. Um, I'm interested to see what that's like. But let me tell you very quickly about what arcs was like mm. because i want to tickle your fancy as to this very strange game yeah do it's a trick taking game at its core yeah. which
0: is weird it is kind of weird but i'm i'm coming around to to the idea that trick taking games are good are, are uh, well not even good <laughs> you kind of this convention um you sort of waterboarded us with with uh, trick taking games yes. in a way that was hilarious i led haha, ha-ha. every
1: teach with this is a must, must follow, follow taking game. game and it was true about 80% of the time
0: yeah um but i think as we went on i start to realize like oh this is an interesting format Ooh, mm-hmm, you can do a yeah. lot with it Ooh, <laughs> actually
1: yes it's it's a revelation that i feel like i've been slow to but it's just fascinating when you have that understanding of a sort of very basic kind of line of thinking that you can do such weird stuff with yes,
0: it yes yes and so i'm fascinated how how do you Um, turn trick-taking into galactic legacy? I was going to say you kind of do and you kind of don't, in the (laughs) sense that there is some really smart
1: like trick-taking goodness at the core of this but it's definitely like obfuscated far more than it would be in like you know when i say it's a trick-taking game it's not really
0: right okay already i can see that it's sort of a, a it could work quite well as a resource based thing if you're if you're having conflict on a, on a massive scale or having problems in fact on a massive sure. scale of having a hand of cards and then being like yeah but what do you want to put where mm. in that regards arguably memoir 44 it's, uh, a trick it's a trick-taking taking game. game yeah aren't all games all games, games are really are <laughs> trick-taking games. the
1: basic way that it works is you'll have a lead player who will play a card from their hand they'll have you know seven or eight cards in their hand at the start of uh, a round and they will play one uh they come in four suits and each suit can do certain actions so for example this is a bit hazy because i don't quite remember everything in amazing detail but there is a red suit and all the actions with red are quite aggressive so Mm. a red suit card will let you move or attack or tax for example um, in the regions on the board that you have ships in because this is a trick-taking game combined with a big you know area control war game sort of looking thing like you look at this game and you think this looks like you're like oh hell yeah we game in now yeah exactly that's what your brain does when you look at this game you're like it's space it looks kind of like ti-ish but really really
0: small it's something hard coded into your head if you're into board (laughs) games I think you just it doesn't matter if you know the game is going to be bad there's yep. a certain aesthetic where you just look at it and you go oh it's a board game yeah, if you look and at,
1: it. you look at borders and you're like hell yeah oh yeah i'm in for it um but yeah so you play a red card that lets you do some attack actions let's say that card will have a number and it will also have a number of pips on it below that number mm. with the lower cards having more pips the higher cards having fewer um mm. so the seven which i think is the highest will have like one pip on it normally um and also some other
0: bits oh so is it like you, you get to go first but you get to do fewer things you will
1: always go in turn order you will not go in the order of the the strength of the cards but who then takes the trick is going to have lots of power in deciding what actions everyone else has next turn because if you can't follow the action depicted you can play any card but you only get one action with it so it's sort of like do you try and win the trick with a sort of like a card that will give you not many actions or do you follow and you get to take more you know uh opportunities that are given to you but you have to sort of play to the tempo of someone else okay there's then some really clever stuff that comes into it uses the language of trick-taking games later on in the sense that you know there are cards one through seven that have been dealt out in every suit so you could be holding on to the last of a card knowing you can play it uncontested yeah and then you'll be the only one around the table that can confidently take a big sweeping attack action right so that's kind of the the very basics i won't get into a lot of the weird stuff there's tons of weird stuff in this game there's a really smart system for example that is when you play some cards you can basically declare a victory condition for the round and the more early you do it the higher that condition is worth so you could basically say this round killing loads of stuff is going to get you loads of points right but the earlier you declare that the more people can plan and try and take that right. from you
0: right? Um, so if you're, it's kind fascinating. of A confidence thing of If you feel like You can still smash it Despite yes. everyone knowing What you're trying to do Then yep. you just do it Very early in the round Exactly You're like hey This round This is what we're Going to be doing If Versus you're looking like hand, nickel and diming And like sneaking in the end Just to get a little bit of points Yes exactly Exactly It's like you've got
1: to be Very confident and early With your predictions Of how the round is going to go And then play your hand Suiting that in a way Right Um. It has like a bunch Of other stuff Like it has a card market Of like weird special powers You can buy It has all this campaign stuff Stuff that i will not even begin to properly describe it there's just tons of it um but maybe my favorite thing or the thing that interested me uh most about the game is the dice let me tell you about these dice map because they really won me over almost instantly this game has some very very fun color-coded dice okay when you do combat and this is the thing that i'll talk about that Combat has this real um, flexibility to it that I've not seen in, in many games. If you have like four combat actions, that's not like four attacks. That could be an attack and then you go, oh, that attack wasn't good. I'm going to retreat. Right. Or that could be an attack, a move, attack someone else, move again or whatever. You can use your actions in very interesting, and creative ways on the fly. But one of the most common ways is that you will use those actions according to the dice you want to roll let me explain an example i'm looking at a load of ships in the space that i'm in and i'm like i want to attack them the blue dice have hits and misses on them they're nice standard boring dice so you might use your first action to roll a bunch of those you get like two hits and one you know one miss or whatever Mm -hmm. you're like oops that wasn't a great i wanted three hits or something like that or maybe that's good i don't know your second action you might be like i want to do a bit more damage i'm going to upgrade to my red dice The red dice are the next set. And they've got things that do a little bit more damage at the risk of doing lots of damage to yourself. Right. So you might roll them if you're feeling confident that you can weather the storm. Then the next dice up are the orange dice, which are bonkers. They do (laughs) so much damage to literally everyone. And they also let you steal things from people directly. Wow. And so there's this... And you can also... Not only can you mix and match actions where you roll different dice, you can mix and match the dice within an action. So there's a really lovely kind of like... You build this horrible pool of dice. You're like... Maybe I'll go nice and safe, and I'll do three blue. And you're like, oh, but I, what if what if the yellow rolls for me? I'll grab a yellow with that okay. as well. And you just you're so sort it, like a kid in the sweet shop
0: is, picking these little. I mean, weird I'm dice. just a, it's a bit like an a la carte menu, really. Yes. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going to go for a you know bit of reliable hits, but mm-hmm. then still having that thing of like you could be like, I'll get three blue dice to get those hits, and uh, and then maybe a bit of that, and then you roll and you miss everything and blow and up like, everything, oh. and yeah, and it all goes <laughs> wrong. Yes, I mean, I the question I have with this obviously this is the game that's made by uh, the same. Teams, effectively, is like the game people who've made, um, you know, Root mm-hmm. and Oath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this is a game that, like, you weren't really sure where it was going to fit into that kind of space. Because I think Oath was a very, very different game to Root. It's very divisive. I think I much prefer um, Oath to Root, mm. if I'm honest. Um, but it's very much a personal taste thing. And yes, of uh, course. I, I guess I and other people who fascinate fascinated to be like, where does it fit on this axis um, in their, that I've just of, created.
1: <laughs> in their sort of catalogue, it's like I view Root and Oath as being pretty on opposite ends of the spectrum, even though there's lots of similarities in their sort of like themes and ideas. But Root is pretty straight-laced in terms of it's just like a war game with a weird yeah. theme like it is just like numbers and rolling dice and conquering territory there's not much of the narrativization that oath has oath is like a quasi role-playing very odd generative narrative box that is just completely unlike anything else and i think that arcs is very much in the middle i think at the start of the production of it it felt like this game was going to be another sort of quite straightforward war game And now it's got a lot of that oath narrative stuff injected into it with the cards and with all the campaign stuff. But I still don't think it's going to be quite as wacky and weird as oath is. I think there is still a core to it that's much more about like conquering territory and fighting and rolling dice. Yeah. Um, if anything,
0: I think Oath is almost like uh, the games of, kind of a box of hats. Yeah, sure. If it's just like, it's a box of hats. <laughs> Look around and be uh-huh. like, I like this hat. And you're like, all right, wear that hat. You <laughs> yeah. know when you're at a party? And everyone's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And okay, people go, all right, you oh, You're not sure if you want to wear a hat, but then you do wear a hat and everyone else is wearing hats. And you get into it. Yeah
1: quinn's described oath in a really eloquent way i think which is that he described more eloquent than that (laughs) (laughs) he described it as um like a train set almost in that it's something that you kind of like set up and you sort of watch happen in a way that's like very pleasing um and simulationist and strange and then it comes Um, to life before you realize it exactly Yeah. yeah and i think that's i think that's very true and i think that's it's it's biggest strength And I think that I hope arcs can reach those highs because I want to see what all this campaign stuff is like. It sounds mad. Um, But what I played, the single session game was much more straightforward, but it was a very good kind of straightforward.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to us coming back to it. I'm going to have I'm going to have tons of questions when it gets close to the time, including, is it good? What's it really like in the future? But now we must continue on our Escalator of packs based Funds. What's next? It's some small games, Tiny games. Tiny games. Tiny game number 1. What is it, Tom? It's Cover Your Assets. Cover Your Assets by Grandpa Beck Games. Yes. Uh, Grandpa Beck Games include recipes in all of their games, mm-hmm. the pies, etc. And I think some of the recipes might be better than some of the games. However, <laughs> this one, I think is a bit of a cracker. Yeah, we like this one. Really enjoyed this one an awful lot. It's a playful game of stealing Things from other people Yeah I It's was a set gonna, collection game A set collection game But basically You're just stealing Yeah It's horrible And I loved it Yes the, the way it works is Effectively you have Cards in hand And then when you have Two of the same thing in hand mm-hmm. You may start a set In front mm-hmm. of yourself I've got two cars well, Congratulations you I've have got a two set Thank you Cars. What have I you have got two, two sports planes Ooh Put them down in front of me Sports planes eh Now thankfully The first thing you put down Can't be stolen mm-hmm. That's what you've got In this world is, It's yours is, Three sports planes or whatever. (laughs) But then afterwards, you start to stack your little sets that you build, Mm -hmm. which are partially from your hand or partially from taking stuff out of the discard Mm -hmm. and being like, I'll have that, please. And I'll combine it with a card in my hand to make a new set. You stack them, like, staggering them, like, uh, horizontally, then vertically. So you have this very pleasing stack of assets that builds up in front of you. Yeah. And at any point after that first little collection of things, whether it's, you know, Uh, famous comic books or sports planes or just cash under the mattress wasn't one of them? Yep. Or a piggy bank. piggy bank, great. You can just steal things from other people. Yeah. And the way you do that is you go, well, Tom has some fancy cars and I have a fancy car card in my hand so I'm going to play that at Tom Mm -hmm. and say, Tom, I'd like you to give me those cars. And I go, oh,
1: You'd like them, would you?
0: I would really like those fancy cars. Well,
1: I've got a fancy car in my hand and I'll play that on the table, which means you can't oh. steal
0: them. So unfortunately, he's blocked my fancy car with a fancy car, classic chess rules. Mm-hmm. And it means both of those played would go into his collection of fancy cars, which yeah. means I've wasted my turn and now Tom's collection of fancy cars is, is bigger even and bigger and better, and better.
1: And it's worth more money, which is basically what you want at the end of the game
0: And then it comes around to Tom's turn again And he plays a new set on top of those cards And now I can't access those cards very easily really? You have
1: to steal the top set first
0: But But Here's when it gets spicy Oh dear Let's just say that I had two cards in my hand That had sports cards on them I could keep playing them I mean, We keep going back and forth Playing either sports cards Or triple spicy You have cards that are like just cash mm-hmm. Silver and gold Which are mm-hmm. worth loads of money But they're wild But they're risky to play Because yes, you could play them in order to win a collection or steal it off someone. Yeah. But you're making that pot all the more juicy for
1: whoever takes it. For someone else to steal it. Yeah. Uh,
0: We played this with the basic rules, and it was just absolute nonsense in quite an enjoyable way. When we played it with the advanced rules, we were quite surprised to find a game which, felt like it had some strategy to it. <laughs> yeah, it had a little lick of strategy. Which, uh, but was also really enjoyably silly and mean.
1: Yeah, because the first time we played it, 90% of the game was someone pulling off what they felt was the heist of the century by playing like <laughs> three cars to steal someone's stack of like four cars. And then the very next person being like, well, I've got a car, can I have it? And then being like, God damn it. And giving the whole stack over and it, To be
0: fair, a lot of the Vance game was that as well. but there, <laughs> But there were more ways that you could... There were more ways that you could be clever about hiding your best assets. Yes, and there were also more ways that players could could eke those out and yep. be like, "No, you don't. Yes. You are not hiding your sports playing collection underneath that <laughs> pile of comic books, you rat." Um, I really, really enjoyed playing this. I felt like it had enough. Um, thinking to make it feel like you are playing a game game but yeah. fundamentally it was so funny watching people have these back and forth putting down card after card to be like no, 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 no mm-hmm. watching everyone drain their hand of all of the cards that they need and then defend <laughs> it so then like immediately the next player would also be like well I'd like that please and people would be like sure it was the way you would constantly watch people fighting tooth and nail and being like, no, you don't. Aha, yeah, yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. And being like, ah, and then you'd be like, can I have it? And they're being like, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like no, no
0: fight putting up at all. Yes, it, it's, it's a
1: yeah, it's really, really silly. I think it's probably quite a good sort of like family Christmas time game yes. because it has that it's really mean. But not in a way that could potentially devolve into arguments because it is just the nature of the game. And the limits of your meanness can just be like, gimme that.
0: Yes. <laughs> like,
1: yes. It's well contained. And there's like, there are no rules. It's like, it's very the, simple. It's like on your turn, you play a card or you discard a discard a card and like that's it essentially and i think like the the, fun, so the
0: funness to the meanness comes in the fact that a lot of it is just vibes yeah. like at the end of the game you might look at one player who has a massive stack of stuff but that might not be worth even nearly as much as right. someone with a very small amount of cards because they've got loads of wilds in it or the yeah. asset is worth more or, exactly yeah. and so really a lot of it is just kind of quietly remembering and being mm-hmm. like i'm pretty sure that there is some a lot of italian scooters in tom's stack <laughs> and then if enough people consider that something they want then people can flip them to the top and get them well and... yeah i love that game where you
1: had a massive stack of like nine italian scooters yep. and then you had a single stack of comic books on yep. top of it and then someone was like because there's cards in the more in the expanded version of mm. the game which are like yeah flip the pile upside down and just take the thing from the top yeah
0: <laughs> leaving me with an untouchable set of two comic books <laughs> and my entire <laughs> fleet of italian scooters and loads of just loads of gold loads of gold all Just gone. gone. Yeah, it's a sort of game where you can be winning by a mile and then two turns for the end it's all gone. Yeah. Very exactly. swingy, very silly, but didn't feel like didn't feel like annoying bullshit. Yeah. Just felt like really fun bullshit. And you know, let's
1: let's move on to the next game in Alice which is also from Grandpa Bex games, which is similarly mm-hmm. swingy and silly, but also with a lick of strategy. I'd say a bit more strategy, but still ultimately very goofy skull king oh yes uh we talked about this on a podcast a long while ago i think ava talked about it on a podcast mm. um a long time ago but i've only just had a chance to play it we played it together it is a must follow trick-taking it game. is uh but it's a very goofy version of that genre 100% um, essentially it is standard trick-taking rules you have some sets parrots gold uh i can't remember the other ones uh maps i think is a parrots c- is gold a c- maps and The Black Flags Oh yeah Which is the Trump suit Uh, You will play a trick-taking game Where you bid How many hands you can win At the start Normal Normal style But wait But wait We played this wrong On the train
0: Hold on a minute (laughs) We got it wrong originally And we were like Oh this is a pretty solid Trick-taking game And then we're like Oh actually no It's a lot sillier than this yes because we played it where we made bids would be like we'd make bids
1: about our hands mm-hmm. essentially it's a bidding game so you will bid i can win three hands and if you win three hands you'll get loads of points if you don't win three hands you lose some points mm-hmm. and we would play it where we would bid in turn order i'd be like i can win three and matt would be like i can win four and pip would say i can win two and then we'd play the hand how you're meant to do it is you're meant to go yo, ho, ho, and then reveal on your hand the number of tricks you think yeah. you can win. Yeah. Which is just so good. It's great.
0: Especially if you bang your fist on the table for the yo's and the ho's. Exactly. And I mean, you know, shout out to, to all of them. But also, <laughs> like, it, it's just the wonder of watching everyone going, like, Everyone bidding none On like four card rounds yes. And it's like Oh well great Like Everyone's losing points Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like somebody Has to win something yeah. Otherwise yeah. we all lose points Exactly uh, Or having people Who are really confident They've got a good hand And then You, you know just, just going way over Like mm-hmm. in a normal trick Taking a game You might have like I don't know You're going to play five rounds And total people Think they can win seven And you're like yes. well, well that's bad But you can have like five rounds and, and everyone's like needs to win 11 or 12 in total and the way that you're like well this is going to be a train wreck yeah this is going to be a disaster and then you add to the fact that you've got like the classic like these are good cards these are bad cards these are trump cards that are better but then yeah. you've got pirates that beat trump's and then you've got like the, the big bad pirate the skull mm-hmm. king who can beat any pirates yes but then you have the mermaid <laughs> who will be Captured by pirates, but the mermaid will capture the Skull King. It's so odd. It, 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 it means that you have like scenarios where you get your hand of cards and you're like, this is a really great hand. Mm-hmm. And then someone else has got a hand that's like miles better or miles worse. And depending on what people play in any round. Yeah.
1: Chaos. It's It's chaos. It's very murky. It's very silly. It's not like a clean trick taking game, but it is a lot of fun. Um, I think there is something really delightful about that interlocking sort of weird ecosystem of special cards mm-hmm. that gets played out, and the deck is so big that you have no idea whether they're going to come out or not,
0: and when they do, yep. it's always surprising. There's, a, there's a. L- I found there be, to be quite a lot of strategy to yeah. a point. Yes, of like I was playing quite strategically and doing quite well, but then it, it really was. I think, a really perfect fitting of the theme though in mm. kind of nonsense pirates of you being like, you can be savvy and you can be careful and you can ride it out and you can do quite well. But then if one of the crazy things turns up, you might just be completely ruined. Yeah, like, And that's you might very funny. Be, yeah, it is. Just being like, okay. And I mean, also, I love when we were playing with some of the expanded stuff, I had like the tentacle kraken. Oh, yeah. Which didn't win. It just meant you play that and whatever else got played in this round just gets washed away, which yes. means no one wins a trick. Super disruptive. And in a game where like, people think they are going to be five tricks and how many of them are you going to win? Yeah. When then you go, well, actually, I know that there's only going to be four tricks. Yes. That's awful for everyone else in a way that is just kiss a chef.
1: It's 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 very it's very good. Um, we had a good. Time I don't know. I don't.
0: I I think it's a really fun game. I don't think it's a great trick taking game. Yeah, but I, think I it really would, like it. <laughs> I
1: think it would really annoy people who are big fans of trick taking games. Yes, because it doesn't. it, it, it isn't. It's silly. Yes. it's very very. Silly. I think
0: it's a really good like if you want to play a trick taking game with your family. And, or friends and they're not really into them or they haven't played them it's a good mm. introduction yeah 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 because I think you almost don't need to say that it's a trick-taking game because that kind of language would scare people off it's got some I mean the rubber banding was wild as well in the, <laughs> in the last game we played I was so far ahead and then I just, just got beaten by two other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <It laughs> oh, was like, okay. That's what we that's a
1: really important feature we didn't talk about is that it, similarly to wizard, the number of tricks you're going to be taking is going to escalate over the course mm. of the game. So you take you play a hand of one card at the start, then two cards, then three cards, then four cards, then five cards, and so on and so forth, all the way up to ten. And then the ten card hand because you win 20 points per card if you bid correctly the number of points you are playing for literally eclipses almost the whole of the rest of the game yeah in a way that's just it kind of just you can't put that in a game and take it entirely seriously no no
0: um but also great. you know very much maps out beautifully to a bunch of pirates trying to find the lost treasure mm. and then yeah everyone getting shot in the head and one person leaving it's great delightful game good really silly like it
1: We've got another pairing of games here With Mycelium and Mycelia These are not made by the same people <laughs> Sequels so a little bit unfair Yes, yeah, sequels no. are the same thing It's a little unfair to compare them But they are both mushroom games
0: Yeah, I mean, people say you shouldn't compare apples and oranges But I think you can compare mushroom and mushroom Yeah, that's very fair And also, they both try and do something a little bit similar Of being like, hey, what, what about if a game had cute mushrooms in it?
1: Yeah, that's true They, they both do that thing Pretty well. I like the art in both of these games
0: quite a lot. Yeah, I think I like the art in in a different one to you better. Yeah, you like
1: my Celia's art, the Ravensburger, mm, the Ravensburger whereas one. Whereas I like my Celium because it's a little
0: more... Hmm, I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? It's, it's hard different. to say. I think there's a cutesiness to the Ravensburger one where the other one is, is more like... <sighs> It's like some. It's something to do with twee and cuteness. There's the colouring as well. The colouring is much earthier and. Uh...
1: Yeah, I, I think it's sort of like I would describe mycelium as having almost like cottagecore energy. Yes. Um, it's very like um, wind in the willows. Yes. Almost. Yes. Whereas mycelium, the Ravensburger one, mm-hmm. is much more like I don't know, like fairy tale, fairy tale, Disney-ish, kind of that kind of thing. Um, which one should we talk about first? Should We talk about mycelium first, the Ravensburger one. Sure. That game is a deck builder at mm-hmm. its core. Uh, in that game, what you have in front of you is a sort of patchwork of different terrain that's going to have a bunch of raindrops It's on a
0: it. map, Tom. It's a map. It's a map of war. Your personal
1: war map with rain on it. The rain represents soldiers, and the big tree stump represents... The enemy's HQ (laughs) HQ. Uh, In the game you are going to be playing cards To basically just move those little droplets around You might Mm. have a card that lets you move a droplet From a red leaf space Onto any space You might have one that simply removes Two of the droplets from any space As long as there are exactly two Mm. You might have one that lets you move a single droplet Three spaces Um, And you're ultimately trying to get all of those droplets Onto this one space on your board That sends them onto this tree stump That's in the middle of the table which when that gets full it dispenses a few of them back out onto your board so it's you're never a just a magical to stump it's a magical stump you're never trying to wipe out your whole board you never have a clear picture of exactly where what you need to wipe out by the end of the game, no because some new ones are gonna get sprinkled in throughout, but not so many that the game just goes on
0: forever. no no, um but it means you have a, a shape early on, like you they're quite evenly distributed at the start of the game, yes, and then your deck allows you to do some very basic stuff moving things around, but you kind of get a sense for it. you can see a shop of cards in front of you and you go, okay, well, that card lets me move three water ones, if the mm-hmm. water ones, but only if there are exactly three in that space. Yes. But you're like, mm, but that could be really good. And then you basically start to just engineer a simple map state on your board in front of you that allows you then to work with the cards that you're going to be buying from the shop, yep. putting into your deck, and then using to try and clear your board of all of these magic yes. gems.
1: And it has a very nice, this is very like my first deck builder in a lot of yep. ways. It's very generous with its mechanics and citation needed here. I'll need to check if you remember it like this as well. I think cards you buy go on the top of your deck, which I think is always a really good way to introduce people to the concept of deck building because you get that ability immediately and then you then get the learning reinforcement moment when that card comes up a little bit later on. I think this game is definitely pitched towards families towards uh younger people um in that it is a very soft generous gentle version of the deck builder where there's no direct player conflict Mm -hmm. it's mostly just an efficiency puzzle trying to move things around with your own deck um on your own board and in fact we i didn't know whether we should include the little expansion when we played it it has a sort of modular expansion system we added in like halfway through because that's the only way you can remove cards from your deck yes which of course is a key feature of any good deck builder Um,
0: What's the point in building If you can't destroy Exactly
1: It's hard to get your head around The first time you play Something like that
0: It is And especially We didn't really know What to expect From the weight of the game Absolutely Uh, Ravensburger games Often do lean Much more heavily Towards being like Super casual Or family friendly games But you should never budge a book by its clever. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> mm, um, make you think.
1: <laughs> what did we think of this game? We I liked, liked it.
0: it. Um, yeah. I think I liked it more than most people who played it. We played it with Pip. She actually enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. she quite rightly pointed out the fact that the um, the kind of like rotating stump that the gems all fall through uh, is a pretty pointless. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a boondoggle thing. Yeah, it's, it's not really odd. essential, and it takes up a lot of space. And I do agree with that, but I also disagreed with that on the basis that I felt like, actually, this was a very basic deck building game of like building up mushrooms. What do you want yeah. to buy? Yeah. Do you want to get the mushrooms to get you more points to buy more mushrooms? Or do you want to get the ones that... Blah, 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 blah? Do you want to go for the ones with the hard to meet conditions or Ooh. the ones that are easy and reliable? Yeah, Very simple. Yeah. Not a lot of crunch until you start adding the extra bits in. But... That thing of getting to remove the gems from your board and slot them into all of this. It's like a rotary telephone, basically. Yes. Yeah, it has all of the these different part. slots that you top up. And when it hits that threshold, getting to turn it around and watching all of the gems fall into the inside of the box and slide out of the bottom in this big flow of gems. that You would then have to take some of them back and put them in your board. Just a very satisfying thing to do. It's very playful. And I think that kids would love it. Yeah. I think kids would be like, I want to do that. And they will want to play the game again and again and again. Not for the deck building, (laughs) but just because they want to do that. They want to do the little rotary telephone. I think there's something to be said for that, particularly as, you know, if you've got kids that are at an age where they are still very much looking for toys, Mm. but they also are looking for something a little bit more. I felt like it was quite nice in the fact that it gave you a really good introduction to something that resembled a game Mm. with the ability that we discovered to actually add some stuff in it that kind of makes it a basic deck builder but a legit deck builder sure sure nonetheless while still having no conflict
1: yeah really. absolutely i think it yeah i think it was very it reminded me in some ways of el dorado in the sense that it is the most stripped back approach to deck building it is incredibly simple and generous with its mechanics but i just think that if i were to recommend something this simple to someone i would recommend el dorado first because I think that that's a game that is just directly more fun. I reckon
0: this is for younger kids than Gerardo, though. Oh, yeah, I
1: agree. But I think that it's also like...
0: Just imagine you hovering over a table of three-year-olds going... Why haven't you eaten your Eldorados? <laughs> You're not allowed it until you've played your mycelia. This is a dead spot for us, though, in the fact that I think, you know, you couldn't like, play a three-year-old could not play this game. No. Um, <laughs> I, should, I should clarify. I, I don't exactly know don't really ages. enjoy putting the gems into their mouth, probably. 100%. That would be a bit dangerous. But, I mean, I do as well, so who's to say Who's to right? say? I think, like, you know, maybe six... F- smart five-year-olds uh, I'm not going to judge People's kids But I think Smart five-year-olds Six-year-olds Seven-year-olds I have, have a no trick. idea
1: How intelligent a child is <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: between... It varies It does vary For context I gave Stomp the Plank To a five-year-old mm-hmm. And they love it Yeah, But also They're old enough To cheat Right? And they're apparently Quite good at cheating okay. And they're like It's a bit of a problem Because they are cheating We're not really sure How they're cheating And I'm like Well I think If you're old enough To do that Then you're probably Old enough To play Netrunner Yeah <laughs> Shall
1: we talk about the other mushroom game?
0: Let's talk about the other mushroom game. The other mushroom game. game.
1: Definitely not for young kids. It's called Mycelium, published by Yadko Games. This is a sort of area control game. Uh, Essentially, you are starting in four corners of a big hexagon-based board. Uh, You have some little mushroom workers that you're going to send out into that big board to go and collect you points or spores. One or the other. Spores are currency. You can use them to buy new mushroom cards. You can use them to buy new paths, which are the things that actually let you place out your workers. So, a slightly confusing way to explain this, but. Essentially, the core action of the game is putting out these little Catan-style roads that are going to sort of branch into the board itself and try and sort of connect with and surround important spaces, the most important spaces being those point-generating spaces. When you connect to a space, you can then send your little workers out to them, and then you bring them back at the end of your turn, and they'll bring resources back with them, and you place them out again, and you do that uh, over and over again until someone gets 10 of those little point cubes. This is complicated in a few ways. One, by other players taking up the paths that you might want to uh,
0: have... Roads on? Have roads on. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. roads. They're, they're basically roads. roads. They're roads, we'll but come they're back. We'll come back to that in a second, but we let's will. just say roads. Yeah, let's say roads for now. You can...
1: Uh, that might be complicated by trying to tackle other people with they've got roads in the place you want roads but it's also complicated by cards there's a big deck of cards that you can buy from and each of those cards is going to give you a weird special effect might be one use might be a sort of more continual thing for your whole turn but they're going to complicate the way the game is played um most importantly this is something i want to get ahead of because i think that we might have played this game in a slightly weird way okay because no one used any of the cards that let you manipulate the nutrient deck So, essentially, you have this deck of cards that will spit out resources, the victory points of the game, onto these spaces on the board, making them like hotbeds for competition. You'll draw one of these cards on every single person's turn. Mm -hmm. But largely, we ended up at a point where the cards that we were drawing kept moving nutrients onto the tree in the middle... And often not near people's little home bases. Which they are like, uh, that deck was like
0: predisposed to do that more than anyone else, right? Absolutely, it was.
1: It was predisposed to have like more cards will put things onto that middle tree than anything else. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem that we had was often that. Resources would get put onto something that was nice and near a player's home territory, or mm-hmm. would be placed in a place where there was going to be conflict because two players had com- like competition over that space. But then, before either of those players got to act, the resources got scooped up and put onto that middle tree where they then sat in a sort of endless competition where someone was always getting one, but it never felt particularly satisfying. Right, yeah. I don't think we had a brilliant time with this game.
0: Uh, no, I, I, I didn't really rate it, if I'm honest. Um, And I did have some of those cards, actually, but I felt that those cards at the point of the game where they really felt like they would be most useful. Yeah. Um, that deck of cards that we were drawing from was running thin and about to be reshuffled. Sure. So it was kind of like not very useful. You know, yeah. I had it yeah. at the point where I felt like this is the crunch point now where having a bit of control over that deck would be exciting. What I in reality had control over was like three or four cards, sure. which didn't feel enough right? to, to spend the turn using it, yeah, spend the actions. Uh, yeah, I think that like, I really love the idea of having these like mycelium networks, of mm. having these things where you are like spreading out These routes across the thing, which allow you to then like access the. The, the resources and pull them back pull yeah. the nutrients back it,
1: it's a really fun theming of what is a pretty rote mechanic of like making roads and using them to bring things back but like it's but, maybe our favourite part of roads and boats yeah
0: this is the thing is it's like but it the, it didn't feel like that it, no. it felt like roads Um, you know it, has a, it felt like 18xx mushroom time and the fact that there's these <laughs> hexes and you can have like two different players can have their roots crossing on one yes. location you could like attack other players roots to knock them back mm. I did like the way you could cut off people's roots that was fun that was
1: very satisfying when it happened
0: but I think that because of the fact that placing these roots was expensive and you were looking for progress it meant that rather than having these weird branching things you tended to just have like these stretching tendrils that would just be like these individual things that would reach out and then people might cut them back or people might chop them off but it always just felt annoying. It never felt significant. It yes. never felt like you've actually damaged my thing.
1: Because often there'd be a thing where you would like, you we were comp- competing over this same space and you severed the middle of my, um, my route. And I was really frustrated by that. I was like, well, I need to... But I wasn't frustrated by that in a way that was like genuinely damaging to it wasn't my strategy. Meaningful. No, because I just had the money to then just build a road where it once was and continue on with what I was doing in the first place. Yeah,
0: or maybe somebody would like fill that slot up. So yeah. you couldn't, but then it just meant you had to then spend another action Attacking one of them yeah. to make space, and also because of the fact that it, you could do that on your turn anyway, it always felt like a thing you should do, mm. which resulted in lots of like petty violence for no reason. Yeah. Being like, "Well, I can, so I might as well." I think um, that
1: might be like there's almost this there's this clash between the sort of like cozy and twee, and really quite like I really like the theme. I think this is a really like pretty and and striking looking game. Um, the art direction is fantastic I just think that That cuteness And that sweetness Is almost like Baked into some of the game That could be very good If it was meaner. Yeah Like that severing of roots And cutting people off That stuff is really good And interesting And when it happened You could feel the whole table go Ooh that's interesting Yeah But then It well, sort it, of felt softened
0: Right It, it was like it felt like it could be interesting but i don't think it was interesting i agree and, i uh, think uh, it wasn't as interesting i, as I think the, the the kindest thing i can say to soften these criticisms is that we played it with four players yeah and uh, my biggest feeling with it was that whenever you do something it feels like often when it gets around to your turn again it, everything's changed so much that nothing you're doing ever really feels like it makes sense sure. or means anything that is true for a ton of strategy games with four players yes i just think in this instance it was kind of difficult that what you would do on your turn would be like to so take back resources, and then also replace your little pieces for where you're going to take back resources next ta- turn. Yeah, yeah. And it always felt like where you were placing them. By the time it got round you again, it was completely irrelevant. Yeah. You you would place them on an area that had lots of resources. When it's your turn again, they're all gone. I think I'd love to see a version of this
1: game that just has a smaller board and a smaller deck, and is just a little bit more like knowable, almost. It
0: felt like it was trying to do lots of things at once. And I think so. I don't think it really succeeded... Um, in many of them. It may sound a little harsh. I think I came down on this game more harshly than everybody else who was playing it. Everyone else had a nice time. And my uh, critical spider sense was going, particularly yeah. as I felt that the Ravensburger Silly like Mushroom Time mm. was just quite neat and simple. But they feel like they're for de- very different groups. They are. They, they are for very different groups. I think if you were to buy the Ravensburger Mushroom Adventure game, then and you were an adult who played games you'd yes. be like what the heck is this <laughs> there's nothing going on sure but then if you were a gamer you might get mycelium and be like whoa there's a lot going on here but then actually be disappointed in in different ways mm. but your mileage might flipping vary it might who I are know. you I I, that sounded really confrontational who but are you it's just more of a question mushroom friend hmm
1: The final game we're going to talk about on this podcast is a game that we played more of than any other game Oh hell yeah, Packs Unplugged. Matt looks so into hell this. Hell yeah. We game played,
0: of the century?
1: We played Strike. Strike! It's good. Strike the dice game. It's another Ravensburger game. This is incredibly simple to teach. In front of you, you have a box.
0: The box is the box of the game, mm-hmm. and it's also the game. You take the lid off the game, and, and you take you got the things the game. out of the box, and then you throw the things that were in the box back into the box. That's, That's the game. <laughs> I I <laughs> loved playing this game because of the fact that a as you might guess, setup time not very, not much setup non-existent. time, non-existent. Put it away. None. Yeah. Teaching time very little. There's yep. basically no rules. So we try and teach the game. Yeah, go for it. You know,
1: in the game there will be a dice in the arena. On your turn, you throw a dice into the arena. If the dice match, you take them out and end your turn. If the dice do not match you can keep throwing dice until dice match and then you end your turn if there are ever no dice in the arena the next player has to roll all of their dice into the
0: arena that's it yeah you get knocked out if you have you no dice out if you have are no done that's the game it's brilliant it's electric it's so good it's fascinating you have this amazing plastic ridged uh, semicircle not semicircle oval mm-hmm. uh, which you are throwing them into and it it has a tactility to it that when the dice go in, they kind of rattle around and bounce around in a way that's mm-hmm. very pleasing. Yep. You can kind of ricochet, slingshot them around the edges if you're feeling a bit spicy. And that has that real knock-on effect of making you think you've got some kind of knack I mean, for a
1: game that arguably, has Arguably,
0: there is a bit of knack to it.
1: And that's what's satisfying, is being like, hang on, if I knock this dice into this dice... You know, I really started to overthink things being like, I know what face is on the other side of that dice and if I can get it to tell oh, well. over. <laughs> that way madness lies. <laughs> right. Hey, well, I won most of the games of Strike that I was well, in. Well,
0: you, you, you Maybe lose... I've got the, the little Ravensburger touch. You lose most of the Strike games you don't play. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the fact that when there was a busy box and you had like, you know, four dice already in there. Yes. Then it would be like just having a very simple moment. Not a great deal of strategy, but a very simple moment being like, how can I throw this dice into the box in a way that is going to hit My logic of it was, I want to hit all of the dice, but one. Right. (laughs) Like, leave that one alone. But really, it doesn't make a difference. You just want to hit all of them. You want to roll them again because there's currently no matches, so you want to create matches. Yeah. So you just want to knock them all in one shot. But again, that does add enough that if you're just knocking one of them out for, mm-hmm. then you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. Because you, you know that like the chances of a match are much lower. And it pushes you into making shots that are kind of like more likely to just bounce that dice fully out of the arena where it does nothing. Yep. And then it's like you've thrown the dice into the box. It's bounced out of the box. But it's not the end of your turn. Do you want to throw another of your (laughs) dice in? The sunk cost fallacy in this is beautiful. It's unbelievable. You can watch people have a massive collection of dice that they've won through luck. Just throwing them in one at a time after another (laughs) until they're like, well, obviously you can have up to five dice in the box and no matches. Yeah. In a way, which is so funny. Actually, (laughs) no. You you can have six. Sorry. Well, no, we haven't explained the
1: fact that one of the faces of the dice is an X. Which just removes it from the box. You can't. Yeah. So there's there's no upper limit to how many dice you can throw in the box and keep losing. Uh no, yeah, I think it's oh no, no, there isn't. Because so you're just keep if you know, like, oh right, I've got five dice in the box. Yep. I roll another one, I'm bound to get a match. But you might not. You might roll that dice in the box and create two more X's, oh, which yeah. remove
0: them, then your chances have got smaller. Yeah. It's it's so silly. The way it tapers off the game as well, of everyone starting with a set a number of dice, some people eventually getting lots of dice, and then gradually more and more dice just being removed by yep. those X's getting flipped means that the shape of the game can be quite different. Sometimes people win quite early on and they've got a huge collection of dice still. Other games go down to like literally like two people throwing back and forth, like three or four dice. Yes. The fact that every time the box clears, you ha- the next player has to roll all <laughs> of their, all dice their dice is a wonderful textural element to the game. Because when you're playing yep. in like three or four player games, early on, if you roll a dice in and you don't get a match and there's just like one dice left in there, you're like, I'm going to leave that. Mm. because you know that the next player might roll a dice in get a double and then the player afterwards might lose so many dice from having to chuck them all in at once but as when it gets to the point where people have been knocked out and it's just two players it's so dangerous just leaving one dice in the box so tempting as well because you think well the odds of them getting a pair are low but if they do (laughs) the damage is obscene and we had games where you know you would you would like literally they'd roll a double, clear the box, you'd throw all of your dice in, get them all back through having combinations of doubles, mm. and then they'd throw, throw all two, their dice in, in. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they get them all back again. And you just have these unbelievably unlikely things happening. Joyous. Yeah. It's a game that
1: creates a lot of whoo round the table.
0: I left like, it. Oh! I those are the noises it. I associate with strike. We played it. Between games, an awful lot playing with the tournament rules, where you just oh, basically yeah. you get points for being not knocked out too early. Yeah, changes just, the shape of the game. It makes the game feel way more tense mm. because you're you're trying to go on an average rather than a. It makes every throw feel meaningful. Yeah, in a way that when you bounce one out of the box, it feels awful. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> what have I done? I really want to create a kind of like strike legacy game of having a oh, scoreboard yeah. that just goes on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of people just having increasingly large scores, which is bad, mm. and just trying to keep yours as close to zero as possible you could forever. Do, you
1: could do that. Would be good having right?
0: obstacles in the arena. I mean, etc. Oh, there's so much you could do. But let's yeah, make it happen. I adored this game. Um, there's nothing to it, and it's great. The best thing about <laughs> it, as well, playing this at a convention, <laughs> is because one of the things that's great about our job is people come up to us at conventions and they talk to us and that's brilliant yeah one of the things that sucks about that quite uniformly and not in a way that's like oh i hate it but it's just like people understandably whenever we're at conventions say Mm -hmm. so what have you played like what do you recommend yeah they want to get a hot tip or they're just interested whatever Mm -hmm. and we're always happy to tell them yeah oh we played this yesterday it was really good but some years the game you played is weird Mm-hmm. or fascinating or hard to explain. Sure. And it means you end up having the same conversation about 200 times. Yeah, having yeah. to explain to someone who's never heard of it what for example fog of love is right, and why right, they should right. be into it. Good example. And yeah. it means that like you basically end up recording like 300 tiny podcasts <laughs> uh, in a way that you just sort of think ah oh. and uh, towards the end of the week you're like yeah it's it's just good it's just good but yeah. with this I could just say strike and I go what is it I'm like it's a box you throw dice into it it's great yeah. And it's like that wasn't me copping out. No, that That's was just the, the truth. It's the game. It's and the that truth. was beautiful. Just being able to be like, strike,
1: you just throw dice in a box. Yeah. It's great. And it's it's incredible. I want to take this to the pub. I want to play it at the pub. I'm tempted to make one. Sense.
0: I'm tempted to make my own.
1: Yeah. I want to see you make your own because I think you're right that like there is a very pleasing quality of the clattering in the plastic box, yep. but a
0: wooden box
1: mm. with a little bit of felt in the bottom like this one has with Ooh. the right
0: components. With the right components. Maybe I could do it Using wood in an acoustic manner. What?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Right? Okay. You don't know what that means, do you? Nope. I do. Listen, you
1: can explain that to me off air. The listeners don't need to hear that. and <laughs> They don't. Let's end this pod. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Shubs It Down Podcast. We'll be back next week with even more games that we've played at PAX Unplugged. A Whoa! second part of this special where we'll mostly be focusing on the bigger, crunchier more complicated boxes that we ooh, played at the
0: convention.
1: What? Oh, a little bit scary. <laughs> I like it. But exciting. Yeah. And as we mentioned at the start of this podcast, if you want to support down. this winter we're running our donation drive currently. You can get access to loads of bonus stuff, including two bonus podcasts we recorded where we talk about other conventions. We talk yeah. about the World Series of Board Games and we talked about... Lesson.
0: yeah we really we really do hugely appreciate anyone who's able to support what we do yeah thank and you and we're also aware that like one of the reasons that we do the podcast and we try and keep doing it and try and keep it as a weekly thing even though obviously a lot of people will know the majority of what we do is youtube mm. youtube videos that's a lot of our bread and butter it is that's a lot of our audiences but we know that not everyone has the time or the inclination to sit and watch YouTube videos. You I mean, can't watch them in your car. You can't watch them in your car. Legally, Just you shouldn't. It's quite hard to watch them while you're having a shower. <laughs> yeah, but we can get around that. Again, I'll draw you diagrams afterwards. Okay. But we really do appreciate it. And if the only thing that you love to consume of Shut Up, Sit Down, is the podcast, and you love it enough, then we'd love it if you would support us. Because we want to support people who love podcasts. Yeah. And I hope that we're doing that by being in your
1: ears right now. I'm supporting people who love podcasts by... Um going to the shops and buying a sandwich <laughs> yeah. for me because yeah, I, I gonna, love podcasts. I was going to
0: say, you just do nice things for yourself. <laughs> I treat myself. Oh, good for you, Tom. Thanks. Nice. Well done. And if you want Tom to continue treating himself <laughs> to things like bacon and brie and chili jam sandwiches. Those sandwiches are so mm. good. They're the best. Then check us a couple of quid or a dollars. Mr. Sainsbury's was cooking with that one. He really was. That's the podcast. Mr. Sainsbury's. Bye.